All right, everyone, welcome to the last installment of our year-long precepts program for 2021-2022. Hard to believe it's been a year already. Um, as usual, we're going to start with some free writing, so get your pen and paper ready. And our writing prompt for this week is, starting from here, what is your aspiration? Starting from here, what is your aspiration? So for our last class this evening, we're just going to do a little bit of review. review. Um, we're going to take a look at some of the other forms that the precepts are expressed in, different wordings. We've been working with Diane Rosetto's kind of positively affirmed version, but we'll look at some of the other versions. And then we'll um, talk about the precept ceremony that will be available if you'd like to participate. It's optional. We'll talk about what it is and why one might do that. That's it. So I imagine our class won't take too long this evening. It should be one of our shorter ones. But so we have plenty of time for any group discussions or reflections or anything you guys want to bring up. So feel free to, to jump in at any time. So we're going to start um, by reading from the Pali Canon, the precepts as gifts, which I believe we started with at the beginning of the year. It's just a one-page document that we're going to kind of review and look at it and see if it, uh, if it rings differently for you now at the end of the year. So I thought, let me share screen, and then we can read as a group. Those who are able to read, if you're on a device or area where you can. If not, we'll skip over you. So since there's only a few of us here this evening, um, we'll, when, you, when you take a turn, we'll read, let's see, like three paragraphs. How about that? And I will start us off. The five precepts as gifts. There are, O oh monks, eight streams of merit, streams of the wholesome nourishments of happiness that are heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven, and that lead to whatever is wished for, loved, and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. What are the eight? Here, monks, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Buddha. This is the first stream of merit stream of wholesome nourishment of happiness that is heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven, and that leads to whatever is wished for, loved, and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Further, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Dhamma. This is the second stream of merit that leads to whatever is wished for, loved, and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. And I'll, I'll finish out the refuges. Further, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Sangha. This is the third stream of merit that leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable 
to one's welfare and happiness. So you can see we're starting with the three refuges. Uh, Rosemary, we want to pick it up from there. Sure. Um, there are further amongst these five gifts, pristine of long-standing, traditional, ancient, unadulterated, and never before adulterated, that are not being adulterated, and that will not be adulterated, not despised by wise ascetics and Brahmins. What are these five gifts? Here, monks, a noble disciple gives up the destruction of life and abstains from it. By abstaining from the destruction of life, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear hostility and oppression. This is the first of those great gifts and the fourth stream of merit. Further monks, a noble disciple gives up the taking of what is not given and abstains from it. By abstaining from taking what is not given, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and okay, move it up. Thank you. Uh, and oppression. He himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the second of those great gifts and the fifth stream of merit. Further, monks, a noble disciple gives up sexual misconduct and abstains from it by abstaining from sexual misconduct. A noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the third of those great gifts and the sixth stream of merit. Further months. Oh, Heather, yeah. Further months, a noble disciple gives up false speech, abstains from it. By abstaining from false speech, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the fourth of those great gifts and the seventh stream of marriage. Further months, a noble disciple gives up wines, liquors, and intoxicants, the basis for negligence and abstains from it. By abstaining from wines, liquors, and intoxicants, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will joy, enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the fifth of those great gifts and the eighth stream of merit. These monks are the eight streams of merit, streams of the wholesome nourishments of happiness, which are heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven, and which lead to whatever is wished for, loved, agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. 
Thank you. Well, how does that strike you? Does it, anything sound any different or what thoughts go to your head, go through your head after seeing this again? I'll say something. Um, so um, what's striking to a few things, one is that by following this path, um, it helps everyone. And by helping everyone, it, it helps us. And this, um, this beautiful language of um, um, that leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Um, it's just very beautiful. And the other um, thing that I notice is all the repetition. And um, I think that's, you know, so um, um, fitting to the practice because it's what we do is we repeat um, in practice. Um, we're practicing, which is basically repetition. So um, I thought that that you know it's a um a verbal or a, a written um expression of of what we do in a way so thank you any other thoughts and reflections I just like how it's how they're put forward as gifts and not as something that um, we receive. Um, but what what one enjoys from not violating the precepts is is kind of results in giving others freedom from your issues, freedom from your anger. So it's not about not being angry. It's about kind of bestowing into onto others kind of the lack of anger. I'm reminded that there was one student, a teacher asked his students to kind of rephrase the uh, parts of the Bodhisattva vow and in one rephrase the liberating all beings to or freeing all beings as, as basically the vow to free them all from his issues. Right to not inflict his his own conditioning to continue it out in the world. So that kind of resonates for me here is, is that's a gift you're giving others is is not inflicting it on them. Yes, uh, that reminds me of the the car accident that I had, you know, dur during this these months where I, you know, I, I think I described it. I was driving to, to get faster where I was going. I was driving in a lane that I was supposed not supposed to be driving in. And so, yes, I caused and I you know, um, I hit a car, not too terribly, luckily, but um, that was coming, you know, the other way. And um, so, yes, had I not taken that that lane, that was not my lane, um, I would have saved that person from the accident, from, from my car hitting them. So, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, well, if there's nothing else, let's move on. So um, in the Rosetto book, the one we've been working with, and Diane kind of puts these forward in a, in a positive light as affirmations of taking up the way of speaking truthfully, to take up the way of speaking of others with openness and possibility. And we can see them all there on the screen, which I really like because it they, they're kind of framed as a, as an aspirational statement and not as a thou shalt not. Um, so not only is it positive and not negative, but it also, you know, the beginning of the, the sentence, taking up the way, kind of reminds us that this is stepping on to a practice path and taking up this way. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm a horrible person if I ever take a misstep. It's just a reminder that this is the aspiration that we have as practitioners to take up this way. Right, but that's not how, you know, traditionally they have been uh, put forward. So here at the end of our journey together, let's take a look at some of the other ways that they're normally presented. I think we'll skip the, uh, the middle section here. And further down there are, yeah, three versions of Zen precepts. <clears throat> okay, and the three versions, the first is um, from Norman Fisher's version of the 16 precepts in uh, Taking Our Places. The second is the version from Everyday Zen, their, what they published in their wedding ceremony, and Peg had put these together several years ago. And the third is version of the grave Ten Great Precepts with commentary by Bodhidharma and Dogen Zenji. So why don't we take a, a read through these and see how they strike you. I'll start us off again. The 16 Bodhisattva Precepts, Norman Fisher's version. Um, yeah. The Threefold Refuge. I take refuge in Buddha, the principle of enlightenment within. I take refuge in Dharma, the enlightened way of understanding and living. I take refuge in Sangha, the community of beings. The pure precepts. I vow to avoid all action that creates suffering. I vow to do all action that creates true happiness. I vow to act with others always in mind. Rosemary, you want to do the grave? Oh, oh sure. Uh, not to kill, but to nurture life. Not to steal, but to receive what is offered as a gift. Not to misuse sexuality, but to be caring and faithful in intimate relationships. Not to lie, but to be truthful not to intoxicate with substances or doctrines, that's interesting, or doctrines, but to promote clarity and awareness, not to speak of others' faults, uh, but to speak out of loving kindness, not to praise self at the expense of others, but to be modest, 
not to be possessive of anything, but to be generous, not to harbor anger, but to forgive, not to do anything to diminish the triple treasure, but to support and nurture it. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the 16 Bodhisattva precepts from everyday Zen. Scott, would you be willing to read some? Sure, yeah. Uh, the threefold refuge, I take refuge in Buddha. This is the stillness, the clarity, the kindness that is the real nature of all life. I take refuge in Dharma. This is the way of life day by day that accords with Buddha. I take refuge in Sangha. This is the community of all being that is our refuge and support. Should I go on? Um, sure. Thank you. The three boundless precepts. I vow to refrain from all action that increases suffering. This is the intention to always practice a wise restraint. I vow to perform all action that increases awareness. This is the intention to actually do what occurs to us that can make ourselves and others truly happy. I vow to live for and with all being. This is the intention to always try to see everything with an unselfish eye. Thank you. Fabienne, you're still muted. Okay, the 10 clear mind precepts. A follower of the way cultivates an encouraged life, does not take life. One who is committed to following the way, um, the way lives with awareness. Such a person can never knowingly arm a single thing. A follower of the way honors the gift not yet given, does not steal. Everything belongs to us and nothing belongs to us. We don't take anything unless it is offered to us as a gift. A follower of the way remains faithful in relationship, does not misuse sexuality. There is no way to remain deeply in relationship without complete honesty and openness. A follower of the way communicates truth, does not lie. All speech must be true and accurate and kind. We make and destroy worlds with our, with our words. Do you want me to keep going? A follower of the way polishes, polishes clarity, dispelling delusion, does not intoxicate self or others. To share spirits moderately with friends may be all right, but intoxication as a way to relax or cope, whether it be with substance or doctrine, creates confusion and unhappiness. A follower of the way creates wisdom from ignorance, does not criticize other mindlessly. This Precept is very important in marriage. We make an effort to be thoughtful and caring in our speech about others. In this way, we can love and be loved. 
A follow of the way maintains modesty, praises others, not self. This precept is also very important in marriage. Please let each other know frequently how much you love and respect each other and why. A follow of the way shares freely, is not stingy. Since there is nothing we can possess, especially others, we approach the world and each other with open hands. A follow of the way dwells in equanimity, does not harbor anger or ill will. When there is anger, see it as anger. Respect it, but don't keep it close. Try as much as you can to let it go. Try not to let a single day end with ill will between you. There is no justification for resentment. Remember this. Heather, can you pick it up from there? A follower of the way respects the Buddha, unfolds the Dharma, nourishes the Sangha. With the taking of these precepts, we express our vow to live a life that is in accord with the sacred nature of all it is. So that ends that version, which you can see was taken from their wedding ceremony. So they have some marriage worked in there, but another nice version. Can you continue with the, uh, the third version here, starting with the 10 grave precepts? Okay. The first grave precept, not killing. Bodhidharma said, self nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the everlasting Dharma, not giving rise to concepts of killing is called the precept of not killing. Dogen Zenji said, the Buddha seed grows in accordance with not taking life transmit a life of Buddha's wisdom and do not kill. The second grave precept, not stealing. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle. And mysterious. In the realm of the unattainable Dharma, not having thoughts of gaining is called the precept of not stealing. Dogen Genji said, the self and the things of world or just as they are. The gate of emancipation is open. The third grade precept, not misusing sex. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the ungilded dharma, not creating a veneer of attachment is called the precept of not misusing sex. Dogen Genzi said, the three wheels are pure and clear. When you have nothing to desire, you follow the way of all Buddhas. The fourth grave precept, not lying. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the inexplicable Dharma, not preaching a single word is called the precept of not lying. Dogen Genji said, the Dharma wheel turns from the beginning. There is neither surplus nor lack. The whole universe is moistened with nectar and the truth. Truth is ready to harvest. Thank you. I'll pick it up from there. 
The fifth grade precept, not giving or taking drugs. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the intrinsically pure Dharma, not giving rise to delusions is called the precept of not giving or taking drugs. Dogen Zenji said, drugs are not brought in yet. Don't let them invade. That is the great light. The sixth grave precepts, not discussing the faults of others. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the flawless Dharma, not expounding upon error is called the precept of not speaking of faults of others. Dogen Zenji said, in the Buddha Dharma, there is one path, one Dharma, one realization, one practice. Don't permit fault finding. Don't permit haphazard talk. The seventh grade precept, not praising yourself while abusing others. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the equitable Dharma, not dwelling upon I against you is called the precept of not praising yourself while abusing others. Dogen Zenji said, Buddhas and ancestral teachers realize the empty sky and the great earth. When they manifest the noble body, there is neither inside nor outside in emptiness. When they manifest the Dharma body, there's not even a bit of earth on the ground. Someone else want to take over? I'll do it. Um, the eighth grave precept, not sparing the Dharma assets. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the genuine all-pervading Dharma, not being stingy about a single thing is called the precept of not sparing the Dharma assets. Dogen Zenji said, one phrase, one verse, that is the 10,000 things and 100 grasses, one dharma, one realization. That is all Buddhas and ancestral teachers. Therefore, from the beginning, there has been no stinginess at all. <clears throat> the ninth grave precept, not indulging in anger. Bodhidharma said, self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the selfless dharma, not contriving reality for the self is called the precept of not indulging in anger. Dogen Zenji said, not advancing, not retreating, not real, not empty. There is an ocean of bright clouds. There is an ocean of solemn clouds. The 10th grave precept, not defaming the three treasures. Bodhidharma said self-nature is subtle and mysterious. In the realm of the one, not holding dualistic concepts of ordinary beings and sages is called the precept of not defaming the three treasures. Dogen Zenji said the Taisho, the Taisho of the actual body is the harbor and the weir. Was a weir? Weir. What is that? Uh, a weir is uh, whole, it's like a dam holds back water and allows it to flow at a certain rate. Okay. So the Taisho of the actual body is the harbor and the weir. 
This is the most important thing in the world. Its virtue finds its home in the ocean of essential nature. It is beyond explanation. We just accept it with respect and gratitude. Thank you. We'll skip the last one. So a couple of very different ways of, of expressing the same precepts. What I was what I was noticing and just reading it here with you guys this time was um, in the in the Bodhidharma and uh, Dogen Zenji commentary. They they basically back the process up right where instead of talking about not doing an action, they start by saying not harboring the thoughts of the action. And kind of going back to the you know chain of causation right that the thoughts become actions i thought that was very telling how they they say you know not killing not giving rise to the concept of killing is called the precept of not killing it's starting with the thoughts and the concept What else stood out to you? Um, so, so I'm not sure which version this was in, but um, the idea that that gaining was stealing, the idea of gaining as stealing, and the idea of desire um, as you know, sort of, it's not sexual abuse, but that desire is part of that precept. Um, that, um, and then um, preaching as lying, there was something in there about that. That was interesting too. The doctrines. Oh, yeah, the doc, is that what you're talking about? The doctrines as intoxicants is, that, that comes up in most of the precepts books that i've read it's a common theme that that um, they warn people about not intoxicating mind and body of yourself and others and not using the doctrine or the concepts of practice to to basically get someone drunk on the ideas that things were going to get magically better and i think there was one more um and that was um that delusion was associated with drug taking. Hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think these are very, very helpful because they, they're sort of um, 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 taking it away from the, maybe from the action or the practical to what motivates us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's pointing to like I was saying, not just the action, but maintaining kind of a, a clarity of your heart and your inner world, like exactly. that your practice starts there. It doesn't start with just not, you know, speaking ill will. Yeah, here's the, the line you were talking about. Not having thoughts of gaining is called the precept of not stealing. Right. 
So. Very interesting, right? If you never had the thought that you were you needed to gain or, or gain something, you wouldn't have any motivation to begin the thought of taking or stealing. Exactly. Yeah. And this this set is what which one is this set here? This is the Bodhidharma Dogen Zenji. Okay. Anything else stand out at you or seem different after our year together? Okay. <clears throat> we'll move on then. Um, <clears throat> there's a last group in here. You can read these later. But the, the precepts as taught by Sherry Huber are pretty inter interesting because she lists an inspiration, a prohibition, you know, an aspiration, a key to the precepts, and a vow for each one. So it's just, uh, which, let's, let's take the, uh, not to take what is given. So the inspiration, what inspires this is that there's no scarcity of resources. Prohibition, written that way, is oh, don't steal. Right, we got that. The aspiration is to freely give, ask for, and accept what's needed. The key to this one is generosity. And then stated as a vow, I take up the way of taking only what is freely given and giving freely all that I can. So I think her way of, of listing in them as inspirations, prohibitions, aspirations, key, and a vow is, is uh, interesting. You might want to look at those later. So let's talk about the precept ceremony. Um, a date's been selected for the ceremony. It'll be July, Sunday, July 31st. It'll take the, the place of the, uh, the Dharma talk on the Sunday morning program at Appamata Austin Sunday program. And we'll take a look about at, at uh, what the ceremony is and, and why, why it's offered and why you might consider participating. So why participate? First of all, that's you know it's an entirely a personal decision. There's there's no um, expectation that anyone participates in the ceremony. Um, it's just it's made available to you. But these ceremonies have a way of uh, changing those who participate in the ceremony, leaving a little indelible mark on your psyche and your and on your practice not only for you but for those that they are there and witness it so you might consider it as a as a way to recognize the completion of this year-long aspiration <clears throat> so not only to mark the completion of the program but it's a chance to to publicly take up this way Right for the rest of your for the rest of your life to not set it down at the end of this year. So as Peg likes to say, you know, 
you know, after you've done your spiritual shopping, you know, you got to plant your flag somewhere. So <clears throat> this is an opportunity to kind of plant the Buddhist flag and say, I've decided, you know, I'm taking up this way you know, for good or for bad to try and live my life uh, through the precepts and to, to affirm it as an intention. Again, it's done, you know, as a public ceremony. So it's done in front of the Sangha, in front of the community. So it's a way of offering support and getting support. Right? By publicly um, stating this intention of taking up the way of living your life through the, the precepts, it's a way of getting support from the community. Those who witness you take up this way, your spiritual friends might be the ones who are there to remind you when you're straying away from them at some point. Right, so it's asking for support. And the reciprocal, right, it's often uh, motivational, right, and uh, inspiring to those who are just beginning to practice to see the commitment of practitioners who spend an entire year working on this precepts process and then committing to it publicly to, to carry it forward. So it both offers support and, and is a receive, way of receiving support from the community. And like I said, you know, going through the, uh, the process of ceremony has a way of, of changing the participant to try and get it into your bones and out of your head. So again, it's, it's optional, it's a personal decision, um, but it's made available to those who've completed this program. And, and you guys may not be the only ones you know, participating. It's open to everyone who has completed the precepts program in the past, but perhaps were unable or not yet ready to, to participate in the ceremony, to mark it. And, um, if you choose not to do it this year, it's always available to you in the future. So if for some reason you change your mind, you can participate in the subsequent year. And we'll, I'll look for a moment here at, at um, kind of the flow of the ceremony. There's an introduction about what the process is and what it means in, in history. Um, and just kind of giving those who have not yet participated a little bit of the benefit of understanding what it means to study the precepts in its historical context and um, commitment of vow. And then after an invocation and re repentance, uh, each of the participants are, are asked to, to basically receive the precepts to state their intention to take refuge. Right? And just like in the, the rest of the Buddhist traditions, um, everything comes in threes. So you'll be asked these questions three times. In the ceremony, you're asked three times. And this practice predates the Buddha. Um, there was this belief in their culture that if you ask something three times, 
it had to be granted. And there's a, a famous story that the, the Buddha was famously asked by a nun three times to be ordained and to join the Sangha, and he refused her three times. Women were not allowed at the time. And part of the other kind of traditional rule was if you were refused three times, you, you could never ask again. That was the end of it. But in the Buddhist mythology, Ananda, his number two man, went to him later and convinced him. And he changed his mind. And they began accepting nuns into the community. So the three times are repeated. And they go through the three pure precepts and the 10 grave precepts, asking participants, will you receive them? Will you carry them forward? And so we take this on. And then we have cake. So if nothing else, you get cake out of it. But even if you just come witness, you can still have cake. And the process that Peg has uh, initiated for this is for those, there'll be a registration form that I'll email out to you later. If you're interested in participating, um, you can sign up. And there's a couple extra things on the form besides just your name. There's a bit of writing you're asked to do, two things. Before the ceremony, you're asked to rewrite the precepts in your own words. So we've looked at we've looked at Diane Rosetto's versions, we've looked at the ancient Bodhidharma and Dogen Zenji versions, and but to make it personal, to write them in your own words, in your own contemporary language. You don't even have to be in English, Fabienne, if you don't want. Since they're just for you. So that's one. You you would write the precepts in your own words. And secondly, as is traditional in our Zen lineage, we like to chant the names of the, the lineage of ancestors, starting with the Buddha and coming through to our own contemporary teachers. So the second act, um, practice is you're asked to write the names of your ancestors, mm. your personal ancestors. So you'll, you'll, in, you don't have to remember the, uh, the names of the traditional lineage of the Buddha and Bodhidharma, but just adding to it. Who do you consider your spiritual ancestors, whether they're teachers or friends, or parents or grandparents, or special relatives that have helped you along this path that you consider um, your spiritual ancestors? And of course, you're welcome to invite friends and family and anyone that you would like to, to bear witness taking these vows Are there any any questions about the precept ceremony i have one actually i guess it'll be a hybrid ceremony it will be a hybrid ceremony yes yes the cake we'll have to figure out how to deal with the cake since i promised cake but yes we definitely want to make it available for for those who can't get here. You know when it's going to be? Yes, it's going to be July 31st, Sunday, July 31st 
at 10 a.m. So it will take the place of the Sunday morning Dharma talk after the sittings. Well, if there are no other questions about the ceremony. I have a question. Go ahead. We have to rewrite the precept, the way we, the precept resonate to us. Do we have to read that? No, okay. it, it's just for you. It, okay. It'll be, it's for you. It's shared, it'll be shared with me. It's, yes. you know, they'll be submitted to me. But um, other than that, they're private. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Well, with that, we are at the end of our year together. Besides the ceremony to wrap up, I just wanted to extend my heartfelt thanks and appreciation. Um, for your participation, for your wholehearted participation in sticking this out. It's quite the undertaking to commit to a year, uh, a year long study and a year long practice. As you may have noticed, you know, our, our 90 minutes or so together every month is, uh, is just the tip of the iceberg. The real, real work comes from stewing in this and seeing all the ways that we uh, work with and dance around the precepts in our daily lives. And, um, as you can see, you know, uh, the majority of people don't don't make it all the way through. So I congratulate you for sticking it out, and um, just want to express my appreciation um, because I think what what you've done imbues the sangha with this practice, whether you know it or not, in your participation and ways that you're going to interact with the Sangha from here on out are going to carry this forward. So thank you very much for that. I think it's a great benefit to the community. Thank and you, Todd. You're welcome. And we have a little time here for, for any, any closing that um, we'd like to do. So if there's anything that you'd like to say or anything to make this feel complete, um, we have some time for that here now. I wanted to say thank you for being with us all through this year and for everybody for sharing. And Todd, at this point, I feel a little overwhelmed. Some of the precepts stick better with me than others. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Some of them, um, I don't know, like uh, speaking really strike me from the beginning. And some others, I feel like they're like they're becoming more and more distant and more and more vague. So, um, and I'm sorry that I left at one point, but I lost the internet connection. Um, but um, I was thinking of maybe doing the same thing again, reading like one chapter every month once we end the course to like we keep it fresh is that something you recommend or you have other suggestion no that that's that's a good suggestion if you feel called to do that and we've always had the practice at Alpamata of 
making the, the precepts program open to returning participants. So um, there, when and back in the day when we used to have a, a significant fee to do the class, uh, we always waived the fee for people to come back and do it over again because there were a lot of people that either they had missed a few things or it just seemed like it was fading and they wanted to kind of resurface the practice and, and uh, step into it again. So it's pretty common that, that people will come back for all or part of another year of the program in subsequent years. So you're welcome to do that. Either on your own, as you were suggesting, or actually come join again. Mitch, we see you. You have a face. I have a face. Thank you. I also wanted to bow to you and thank you very much for uh, your wonderful presentations every every month, and it was uh, quite inspiring. So I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks to everyone also for participating. But thank you, especially. Thank you. I wanted to say thank you as well, Todd. Um, the thought, the way the organ, the way the information was organized. Uh, it, it was really obstructive and your presence is really inspiring. And I feel the same way about everybody in the group and their participation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, well, if there's nothing else, this concludes the 2021-2022 Apamata Precepts Program. Thank you so much for your participation, and we will see you in the Zendo, or the virtual cloud Zendo. See you soon. See you soon. Bye, everybody. Have a good evening, everyone. Bye.